businesses around the world are assessing the potential impact of socio-economic and political uncertainty. This climate will influence their operations and the commercial and investment opportunities open to them. It is broader than Brexit. In our Broader Than Brexit series, we bring you insights from our team working at the intersection of business, government, politics, regulation and law, helping you to navigate the uncertainty ahead. In today's episode, we're joined by Robert Gardner, Charles Brasted and Bob Kyle to talk about the role of business in policy formation. Robert is our Director of Government Relations at Hogan Lovells, based in the London office. He helps guide our clients through the nuance of government policy and political thinking, as well as channeling clients' views into policymakers in Whitehall and Parliament. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm joined by Charles Brasted and Bob Kyle. Charles is the head of our UK public law and policy practice and has been described as a public law guru by Legal 500. He's a member of our Brexit task force, advising our clients on legal, commercial and policy implications, as well as constitutional processes. And Charles will be speaking today with Bob Kyle in our Washington office. Bob is a partner in our global regulatory practice, having served in senior positions in both the White House and Congress. Bob is a leading advisor on how to navigate the political landscape in Washington. He served in the White House as special advisor to the President for International Trade and Finance, and he graduated with honours from Harvard Law School. Thank you, Charles and Bob, for joining me. Starting in the UK and thinking about the developments in the relationship between the UK and the EU, we are entering a period that will be fundamentally different in terms of how business and government interact. This new phase will necessitate greater private sector input. And Charles, I wonder whether perhaps you can begin by telling us why that is. Yes, but let, let me start by challenging your assertion that it'll be fundamentally different. I don't believe it is fundamentally different. The fundamentals of business and government interaction is this. Businesses have a great deal of value to add to policy formulation. They know their business. They know their industry. They know how they uh, support uh, the country and their employees and their customers. And they have a crucial role in educating and supporting policymakers in that. And when they are global businesses, they have a crucial role in supporting policymakers across borders as well. That said, there is a real shift uh, in Uh, engagement between business and government in the UK, but also across Europe at the moment. Uh, And I would say that comes down to three things. It comes down to scope, scale, and what I'll call structure. In terms of scope, one of the most obvious points is that one of the consequences of Brexit uh, will be that the UK, for the first time in 40 years, is having to decide upon and pursue its own international trade strategy, reach its own agreements. It will therefore, the UK government therefore, will need the engagement of businesses in that issue in a way that it hasn't for many years, particularly so because doing that job is new to the UK government and the officials working within it. So that is why the scope is changed in a pretty material way. Uh, The other uh, scope or, or scale point is the UK will be thinking uh, intensely about its own regulatory environment and how that might change. Again, an area where uh, the UK government has to some extent relied upon 
the EU to determine some of that framework. So there is an additional job of work to be done there. That means there is a level of potential change that is much greater than has been for a long time. That is what is that expanded scope that leads to the expanded scale of engagement that we've already seen, but that is also going to be required from here on. Let me say a little bit then about structure, because I think this is where it is more fundamental. Uh, the very nature of how policymakers make policy and pursue policy is, I think, changing. Uh, if you look at the UK, we clearly have a weaker government than we've had uh, historically. We, by contrast, have in some ways a stronger parliament than we've had for some time. And you see the constitutional tussles between them that are going on at the moment. That and the way in which government is uh, relying on government agencies to pursue policy all means that the, the traditional approach of engaging simply with central government uh, is not good enough. You need a much broader engagement strategy that looks at all of the influences. I think the same trend you can see across Europe with uh, the recent appointments to the new commission presidency and other institutional roles, uh, we see there a reflection of a dissipation of power away from the central commission and towards member states and the, the council through which they operate. All of that affects the way in which you have to go about engaging effectively. Well, Charles, thank you very much. Um, and that's very helpful, I think, to hear about it in terms of scope, scale and structure. And of course, if the stakeholder group is broadening, then people need to consider not only how to engage with those additional stakeholders, but also to look at the content and to look at the different priorities that those different stakeholders will have. Certainly, broadening out of government more generally into parliament starts to bring in much more of the political thinking uh, and to some extent serving individual constituencies rather than a national longer term view. Uh, but Bob, perhaps you could give us your thoughts on how this will work in the US. Well, you know, it's interesting picking up on what Charles said. For, of course, for many years now and decades, really, the United States has been negotiating its own trade agreement. So we have a much more established process first of corporate engagement. We have a number of advisory commissions and so forth that advise the United States Trade Representative's Office on these trade agreements. And I think the negotiators would say they serve a very useful role in providing information about business because government officials don't on their own know how the pharmaceutical industry works, how the auto industry works. And the business advisory groups serve a very useful role. So in the context of the period that Britain may be entering here, it's going to be important for corporations to engage in whatever process the British government decides is appropriate. But there's a very established role in the United States. The second thing I'd say, picking up on Charles' point about structure, is sort of a question, is Parliament becoming more like our Congress when it comes to these trade agreements? You know, we have a congressional system in which Parliament, in which Congress is very involved in these negotiations. They have to approve the agreement at the end of the day, so the administration has to work with them from the very beginning. And the Congress represents constituencies like corporate interests and NGOs and others in these negotiations. Question whether in Parliament, because of the history of Brexit and the 
kind of non-majority that the conservative party has and the close vote that they would have, whether parliament is becoming more like a congressional system in the sense that it will be more engaged in these trade negotiations. My guess is that is happening, uh, particularly because of the close vote that's required. So I think you'll see more of that. And that also means that the prime minister and his cabinet need to think about how to engage parliament earlier from the outset so that they bring them in on the takeoff so they'll be there in the landing when that agreement comes back uh, in whatever form it comes back. Bob, thank you very much. And I think that's certainly something that we've learned recently in terms of having uh, Parliament on side before they are asked to vote on a question. Um, Charles, do you have any comments uh, in response to the point that Bob's made? I I think that Bob's point that that this will see Parliament becoming a bit more congressional in its approach sounds absolutely right to me. What we have already seen is that Parliament in the last two or three years has become um, at a backbench level, so not not the government front bench, but but backbench Parliament has become much more vocal, uh, much more independent spirited, and for example, the select committee mechanism has been used much more aggressively, particularly to intervene in business-related matters. So one trend we have seen is a lot more of our clients, our business clients, being called before select committees to explain themselves on what are really commercial issues, often prompted by what's in the newspapers, so that greater interventionism of parliament, independent from government, particularly on business issues and international business issues, we are certainly seeing that trend. And one thing I'd note is, you know, what that means for corporations is that there are different avenues for trying to uh, shape these negotiations and shape the ultimate terms that come out. You can obviously go directly to the negotiators for the cabinet and for the administration in the UK and engage with them directly. But you can also then go to members of parliament who may have a role at the end of the day here. So there are different avenues, and and those two paths are very common in the United States. But my sense is they'll probably start to groove in in uh, the UK, and companies that want to shape these negotiations would be wise to try to use both avenues to try to influence where those negotiations are going to come out. I I agree with that, Bob, and I I think that – Uh, We mustn't just focus here on how that plays out in the UK. Um, Clearly, one of the most significant trade agreements we will be, uh, as the UK, looking to do is is with the EU. Um, And it is crucially important to recognize now uh, that that means doing a trade agreement with 27 member states, where it is going to be those member states in council uh, making the key decisions. And so both for the UK government, but also for businesses who want to engage and uh, shape that process and what comes out of it, active engagement across the key member states at an early stage is going to be central. You can't assume that the commission is going to be leading the direction of those negotiations or indeed leading the direction on any other regulatory policy issues in the coming years. That's a really good point. And one of the strategic decisions that the UK will be making is where's the future of their trading relationship? Uh, So if, for example, the UK forms a customs union, 
with the rest of the EU, it creates common rules outward facing, and that would reduce the uh, benefit that might come from a US-UK free trade agreement. If it reaches some other kind of arrangement with the EU, it would allow for that. And it's not an either or situation where you need to choose either the EU or the US, but it does make a difference how you set these things up and it will make a difference about the future of uh, UK's outward facing trading relationships with the rest of the world. Well, thank you both, Charles and Bob. Um, These are obviously very interesting points uh, with much more to say. But Charles, perhaps you can give us your thinking now around some of the opportunities um, for corporations, organizations to engage in some of those conversations, and and particularly uh, in light of the different ways that organizations need to approach the different type of stakeholders that they're going to be speaking to. I think uh, you're right to talk about this in terms of opportunity. There is clearly a great deal of of risk. There is political risk um, in the UK, in Europe, and indeed in the US and other places at a level that uh, we're not used to uh, over over recent years. Uh, So so there is political risk, which means uh, making sure that you've got the right intelligence Uh, And that of itself means engaging and understanding what is going on. But there is also in that opportunity. There is in the UK likely to be a a high degree of fairly rapid change in some areas in terms of trade policy and regulatory policy. And that presents an opportunity to find uh, new ways of shaping the environment that your business operates in. I think it's probably fair to say that uh, uh, we also have in the UK uh, now under Prime Minister Johnson, a, a, a diff- not only a different tone and set of faces, a, a very different cabinet with a, a different policy outlook, but also a, a new cabinet and a, a new team around them who haven't heard all of the engagement from business of the last three years, who haven't necessarily got the insights that business can provide. So there's an urgent opportunity to make sure that that new team in the UK has that understanding, those insights, and that we start to build the relationships with them that will be needed. Same is going to be true to an extent of the new commission team. That's talking about the central policymakers, the traditional decision makers of all of this. But as both Bob and I were saying earlier, uh, you can't limit yourself to that. There are real opportunities, certainly in the UK, to leverage the select committee processes, the all-party parliamentary groups, leverage the backbench interests um, to ensure that uh, you have allies within the policymaking process crucially important at a time when any government motion is going to be on a knife edge in Parliament and where non-government motions, non-government proposals have a realistic chance of being pursued, as we've already seen in recent months. So there is a widespread of opportunity to really get in and get engaged. What is important is to remember that we should use that opportunity to educate and inform That is where business has a great advantage of understanding and data that it can provide to support government. That's the mindset with which you need to go into those opportunities. 
Yeah, that's very well said, Charles. And the one thing I would add to that too is it's really important to start early in this process because once a government negotiator begins to put down their positions to the other side, even at that moment, the cement starts to harden. It's better to shape that going in opening position uh, as the as the negotiations begin rather than trying to come in midstream and correct uh, a course the government may be on that's not useful to business. So it's important to start early. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Um, all of the issues we've been speaking about are areas where we've been quite heavily involved in advising clients. Um, and so it's great for us to be able to share some of those experiences. Bob, Kyle in Washington, Charles Brasted in London, thank you both very much for your insights. And thank you to everyone who's listened. To discuss how Brexit and broader political, policy and legal forces might impact your business and how you can best prepare, do get in touch with us. You can contact a member of our Brexit Task Force or email brexit at hogannovels.com. Our latest thinking on these issues is available on our Brexit Hub at hogannovels.com forward slash Brexit. You can also sign up for our regular Brexit bulletin email on the Hub using the button at the top of the page. Thank you.